Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Reign of Troy Radio. I am your host, Elisa Deratola, and today we have a Fallout episode for you. USC versus Rice Fallout. It's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a Trojan fan. Happy Labor Day to everybody. Hope you're all staying as cool as possible, considering how hot it is in Los Angeles right now. 104, where I am in the valley. I hope everyone is staying cool. I hope everyone is having a good time. If you're having barbecues, all of that kind of stuff, it's a good day. Uh, It's a good uh, Monday to be able to digest everything that happened over the the weekend. I am once again solo. Sadly, my co-host Michael Castillo is still on assignment. Now he's in Washington, but he will be back for the Wednesday uh, Stanford preview episode. So be sure to tune in on Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific, as we will uh, be ready to preview Stanford, uh, and uh, and as will be our regular schedule going forward. Five o'clock on Mondays, five o'clock on Wednesdays, and then after the game on Saturday, which uh, Saturday's game is at 4.30 p.m., so it'll be a little bit later than it was last week, but still should have a lot of fun in the car cast, especially because Michael will be back for that one. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good time to be listening to Rainer Troy. You can find us everywhere 
on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, everywhere you find podcasts, you can find us there. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars really helps the show, really helps other people find us. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, or even if you're not, if you're thinking about watching us on YouTube, come over, check us out on YouTube. Uh, just started the YouTube channel. We're going live on all of these shows, so you can watch us immediately. Um, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, and click notifications on so that you know every time we go live because we will go be going live a lot during the season. So, uh, yeah, that's the spiel. That's the spiel for today. And then to get in really quick to some iTunes reviews that we've gotten since the last time we read iTunes reviews. Uh, so this is from NG's Razor Raiders. Sorry, five stars and congrats, Michael and Alicia. I haven't done a review in a while. But I'd like to send along congrats to both you and your marriage. I'm happy for both of you. I love your podcast, and I'm looking forward to many more. Keep up the great work, Mario in Tucson. Thank you. Thank you, Mario. Thank you, Mario. Married life is good, uh, even though my my dear husband has abandoned me for a weekend. <laughs> so, uh, no, he's, he's fine. I, I I gave him the okay to go, absolutely, uh, to, to leave me this weekend. So uh, we also got a review from uh, Deside or Deside. Vivix, I'm sorry to whoever this is. I don't even know how to pronounce uh, what what's going on with your handle, but looks cool. Uh, hands down, one of the best college football and USC podcasts out there. Top quality show with two people that actually know their stuff. In depth discussions on real inside football topics that mostly get missed by bigger sports news network. Going to be a great season. Congrats on the wedding and fight on. Thank you, fight on. Thank you for leaving a review. Again, this always these all really help us, and not just that. They give us a, a, a mental boost that we always need. So I uh, also got a review from uh, Zella. Love your show. Five stars. Notre Dame is a single lady. She likes her Sunday nights free so she can do as she pleases late into the night. But how could she turn down $300 million from Papa Phil Knight to marry Oregon? Can you see them holding hands and walking down the aisle as they move into the Big Ten? Thank you for the review, Zella. I uh, haven't really talked a ton about like the playoff expansion or the big 12 big 10 expansion or anything like that i think that eventually Notre Dame will will end up in the big 10 but the playoff expansion to 12 teams makes it less imperative for them to do so uh so we might have a delay in terms of them actually getting in i do think oregon oregon makes sense if the big 10 does want to expand more the problem is that I am not certain the Big Ten is going to be super eager to expand more for somebody like Oregon. I think it'll be like what the Pac-12 sort of considered about the Big 12 teams and like how many of those schools are actually real, like how many of them are stretches. And I think that uh, that for Oregon, it feels like they, they're not like as easy a, a, a yes to say to as, as USC and UCLA, certainly on the back basketball side. So uh, I don't know that I see it. I don't know that I see it, but... Things change constantly in college football. We'll see how it all goes. All right. Thank you for the review. As always, everybody, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, I will love you forever. But let's get into the news. Let's waste no time getting into the news. And I wish I had more news. <laughs> I wish I did. USC isn't doing their Sunday night conference calls anymore. Lincoln Riley isn't really giving injury updates that we know of at this point. Tuesday will be the first practice of the week, so maybe we'll get more. Right now, the question everyone has is for Relique Brown. We have no update on Relique Brown. I would hope that no news is good news at this point. 
I, I think that if it was like a season ending injury, we would know already. So not that I thought it was that, but like, I feel like we just know already. So it's, it's an ankle injury. It could be, could be a million different degrees of, of, uh, strained or sprained or tweaked or whatever. So hopefully it's good news, but we'll have to wait on that. My hope would be that by Wednesday, when we do the Stanford uh, preview podcast, that we will have something to give you guys there. But for right now, there's just it's just radio silence. So we will have to wait and see. This week also, most Monday episodes will be able to go through the rankings that happen uh, in terms of AP and coaches and all of that kind of stuff. But it's week one and things are weird. So there was a Sunday game between FSU and LSU, which if you didn't catch it was bananas. A plus, A plus example of why college football is amazing. This is why you watch college football games because they can have endings like that madness. And there is also a Monday night game between Clemson and Georgia Tech that should have uh, should be kicking off shortly or should have already kicked off right now. So the AP poll won't be coming out until Tuesday uh, and the coaches poll as well. So we'll have to wait and see where USC lands. I think there's room for USC to move up a couple spots because NC State struggled with ECU because Oregon lost the way that they did. There's some question marks about how far Utah will drop. There's some question marks about whether or not Oklahoma State will get dinged for the number of points they gave up against Central Michigan. There's a lot of questions about how quickly people will jump on the on the Lincoln Riley bandwagon at USC. The only hint we have is from Joel Klatt, who is I just saw on Twitter put out a a top 10 only, and he has USC at number eight. So his top 10 is Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Michigan, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, USC, Notre Dame, Baylor. Now, I think this is jumping the gun, personally. You guys heard me on Saturday. I am really, really enthusiastically excited about this this team, about this offense, about everything that's going on with USC right now. But let's also be real. USC beat up on Rice. It didn't tell us very much about the trajectory potential of the season. It didn't give us a ceiling. It didn't give us a floor. It didn't give us anything in that sense. So to put USC again ahead of a Notre Dame team that played a top three Ohio State team that pushed them to the edge, that really gave them fits, I wouldn't have USC ahead of Notre Dame at the moment. I think you wait until USC has proven themselves a little bit more to make that move. I am also very high on Baylor personally. I mean, they proved a lot last year. I think... USC still has so much to prove. I wouldn't have USC ahead of Baylor either. So that's where I'm at. I'm trying to slow play. The climb up the rankings can happen after USC you know, beat Stanford, beat Fresno State, beat Oregon State. Before that, I'm just going to push the brakes as far as I feel very comfortable with USC outside the top 10 until they prove that they're worthy of being in the top 10. The rankings don't matter, though. It's all just for debate right now. So... It's not like the biggest deal in the world, uh, but if the AP doesn't have USC in the top 10, I will be just fine with that. I think that's a fair and reasoned position. If the AP puts USC in the top 10, I might personally disagree, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter because USC being ranked in the top 10 or not doesn't change what the season will go on to be. By the end of the season, they'll have either won or lost games that matter and will determine where they're at in terms of ranking. So... That's all fine. It's just a debate point that, uh, you know, it's a podcast, so we're going to talk about it. As for the look ahead to next week, well, to this Saturday, really, 
Stanford, the odds for the Stanford game are out. USC opened as a 10.5 favorite. I've seen that line move down to nine, which I think is fair. 10.5 personally, again, I am being extremely cautious here. 10.5 just like gave me some nervousness. I don't think Stanford's a good team in the grand scheme of things, but Tanner McKee proved that he can, he can really uh, operate that offense at a high level. EJ Smith, we know his pedigree. I think he can be a danger player. If, if you saw Rice's running backs gashing USC at times, I think he could absolutely do that to USC as well. I think that, my projection for this coming this coming week, which we'll hear more about on, on Wednesday, will certainly be that this will be a, a game that USC's offense needs to go out and just win the game comfortably if they're going to win the game comfortably. So I I don't necessarily disagree with like a nine-point favorite, but I think there's a chance that this game is a little bit nerve-wracking because I don't know what to expect from the defense if they're not getting pick sixes, which you just can't, you can't like depend on the defense getting pick sixes every week. It just, I mean, it's good. Turn up, being able to convert turnovers is, is a big advantage for any defense, but I don't know that you can bank on that right now. I need to see more from the defense to go forward and say, yes, USC is going to beat Stanford by two touchdowns or by two scores. Uh, Randy Vasquez, uh, Vasquez put in the chat 45 to 13 bank on it. Would I be surprised if it's 45 to 13? Not that much. Not that much. I'd probably personally say more like 45, 24 or 45, 28 or something like that. But it's just so much up in the air. Um, 520 Trojans put out uh, rankings in the chat. Rankings shouldn't come until week four or five. Couldn't agree more. The reason they don't is just because we in the media have nothing better to do. Like, well, like, what are we going to, what are we going to talk about? Just like, in the preseason, just rehash the same old stuff. Rankings get conversation going. It's just part of the thing. It's harmless. It's fun. It's whatever. But realistically, like no one knows how to rank teams properly until week four or five. This is why I like that the playoff committee doesn't even come in with rankings until week eight or 10. So that's, that's the gist of it. No one knows at this point, we don't need to get ahead of ourselves as far as the way we're evaluating this, this Trojan team. That's just, my perspective, if you want to go full bore in on this USC team, I'm not going to stop you. I think there are good reasons to be ex- extremely excited. I'm just not ready to fully commit to the idea of, like, this team is is without flaws. And that's that's just where I'm at. That's just where I'm at. I look forward to changing my mind on that. Okay, that's pretty much the news. There's not that much news um, coming out of this game, again, because we didn't get, like, a post-game sort of update on Sunday that sort of laid the laid the groundwork for this week. We're still just going into the Stanford week with a lot of like, ooh, could be or maybe or all of that kind of stuff. So that's that's where we're at as far as the news. But let's look into some fallout of this game. There have been discussions on Twitter. I've been paying attention. There have been discussions uh, around just in my internal chat texts and, and other people that I know. And one of the topics that keeps coming up is Corey Foreman. Corey Foreman, number one player in the country as a recruit. He didn't exactly like the world on fire as a freshman, comes back this year and gets into that game quite a bit. I noticed him on a handful of occasions in a positive way in the sense of he clearly has physical talent. He gets off the line very, very quick. He beat the the left tackle, I'm oh, sorry, the right tackle uh, quite a few times actually. 
The problem is, in order to be a good football player, you need to pair... In order to be a good football player in college, as opposed to high school, is you need to pair that talent, that burst, that acceleration, that speed off the edge, that size, all of those things that we're evaluating as, as recruits. You need to pair it with technique and know-how and instincts and just being able to to close out a play. And I think Corey Foreman is lacking on that side of the equation. His angles in this game weren't very good. He was clearly getting close to a position to be in a position to make a play, but he was just getting getting pushed out too wide to make a difference on a play actually or overcommitting or not taking the right angle or just any number of, of complications that made him be less effective than he should have been. PFF did give him credit. I saw Shotgun Spratling tweeting that PFF uh, did give him credit for putting hurries on the quarterback, which is which is good. I, I mean, that's, that's certainly a, a positive thing. But right now, because USC doesn't have a bona fide, like, sack guy, he can't be just putting a hurry on a quarterback. He needs to get a hand on a quarterback, and we didn't see him do that. So there's a lot of conversations about, oh, is Corey Foreman a bust? A, it's way too early to say that. Uh, The idea that, like, you write off Corey Foreman right now is jumping several guns, in my opinion. He has a new coaching staff who hopefully will get more out of him. But we're not seeing a Corey Foreman that got a full offseason program with that coaching staff to get more out of him. He was out during spring. He missed a large chunk of fall with an injury. He is sort of coming in just at zero right now in terms of, of personal development that he'll have been capable of doing right now. And that is, that's just the, the, the way that it goes for a young player that hasn't had enough time to be coached. That's what you see against Rice. Like, I think that's, that's just the, the gist of where he's at right now. Now, six weeks from now, if we're still saying, man, Corey Foreman looks really ineffective then you should start being a little bit worried as far as the nature of his development. But in week one, when he didn't get much of an off season, I just, I just got to give, I just got to give him some room to grow. And, and, and and that's the other thing is, is just to to piggyback on this, (laughs) to piggyback on this, the, there was a tweet going around from Rajon Davis's father. Now, Rajon Davis is, you know, a little bit, he's not in a regular contributing role at linebacker right now. He's certainly stuck behind Shane Lee and Eric Gentry and, and Raylan Goforth as far as the rotation there. And Rajon Davis's father tweeted, always hold yourself accountable. What you did in high school doesn't matter. Don't forget why you're here. I don't want to hear what coach is doing. I need to know what you're doing. Some may not like this post. IDGAF. Nothing is given to you. Yes, 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 yes. I love hearing that from a player's parent. It's refreshing to hear. You don't always hear that from players' parents. Usually, the the question is um, it, it is pointed around like why are coaches not playing so and so, or you know the coaches don't don't like so and so, or they're screwing up, whatever. And my perspective on this has always been. If you're a player, force the coaches to play you. Don't give them a reason to not play you. And that is the only thing that's within your control. And sometimes coaches will be narrow-minded and not be able to see that. But the only thing you can control is, are you giving them that reason? I think 
Rajon Davis's father hits on that. But at the same time, Rajon Davis, Corey Foreman, these guys are young guys. These guys are still early on in their development. And I think that we, as a college football culture, have gotten very used to the phenom freshman that just comes as a, as a freshman or the sophomore and just hits it and just goes in year one or year two. And I think it's unfair to guys who need some more time to develop or are behind the, uh, behind the eight ball as far as their time that they've had in practice because of injuries or are stuck behind other players like Shane Lee got stuck behind, you know, other players in front of him at Alabama that, you know, Rajon Davis, I'm, personally glad he's not starting yet because I want to somebody like Shane Lee in that spot. Right. So the, uh, the, the, the question for like players like Davis and, you know, Julian Simon, who I really want to see get a shot and Corey Foreman and, and, you know, Damani Jackson is going to be in here because he hasn't had a ton of time to practice either because of injuries. And there, there, there's going to be players who are not going to fit that mold of, immediate immediate contributor but they don't have to give them time in the past we would have looked at guys and say oh they're not starting as a junior and that's the problem not they're not starting as a freshman or a sophomore and that's the problem like there's time I hope that these guys are patient I hope that the transfer portal doesn't result in guys getting so impatient that they jump to a new position and then they have to bet in there and that delays their development like there's a there's a there's a balance there's a fine line there i just want to see this kind of perspective of hold yourself accountable and see if you can get on the field and the the and the the rest will come and these guys are super talented and either they'll come good for usc or they'll come good somewhere else so that's you know i'm glad that rajon davis clearly has someone like that in his ear i hope Corey foreman has someone like that in his ear but also I urge USC fans to give these guys time. They're, you know, 19, 19, 20 year olds. They have time to, to, to figure this out, to work this out. So that is, uh, that's just something to remember. Always something to remember when it comes to, to young players, especially like Kayla Williams is a special, special player. Not everyone is like that. And that's okay. You go at your, uh, you go at your own pace. Okay. The other thing that I want to get into is I uh, was able to look at Saturday Out West as the rundown of the PFF snap counts and grades for this week. And <laughs> and sorry, I'm looking at things in the chat that are just making me laugh. I'll talk about it when we get to the mailbag. Um, PFF grades on, uh, on the Trojans this week. Remember, PFF is a flawed system. I don't think they're the end-all, be-all, but they do give you a, a pretty okay sort of starting point to discuss like how good a player was in a game or how bad a player was in the game. I think they're useful, even though I don't take them like 100% seriously. And so I find some of these very fascinating, some of these very interesting. We've got, I, I pulled out the offense, the top five and the bottom five, and for the defense, the top five and the bottom five. On offense... Shocker, Caleb Williams was the uh, was the number one player with a 93.6. He had 44 snaps. What I find very interesting is that Caleb Williams is 93.6. No one else was even close to him on offense. Jordan Addison was 79.5 in 25 snaps. Austin Jones, 71.1. Miller Moss, 70.0. Cortland Ford, 69.2. So for being an outstanding 
offensive performance, like it wasn't in terms of the PFF numbers, it wasn't out of this world, which I think is what I was getting at in the car cast where I said, I didn't expect the offense to make things look this easy this early. I expected there to be some more hiccups and some growing pains. And I think what it turned out to be is that there were hiccups and growing pains on the field. They were just covered up by how good the offense was because Caleb Williams was that good because when the receivers were needed to be in those positions they were in, they were that good. So I think it's encouraging actually to me that in, in terms of the raw numbers, this offense still has a long way to go in order in order to max out its potential. We didn't see max potential from this offense. I think that's ultimately a really good thing. Um, the bottom five I found really interesting. Mason Murphy, Malcolm Epps, Garrett Bryant Jr., John Jackson the third, and Andrew Voorhees. Now, John Jackson III only got three snaps, so I feel bad putting him in there. Um, Malcolm Epps and Gary Bryan Jr. only had 11 snaps. They were both at 51.8 and 52.0. Mason Murphy, 16 snaps. He was at 53.3. Gary Bryan Jr. is the surprise there. Uh, He didn't really come in very early in the game, and when he got in late, he didn't necessarily do anything to to make it seem like... um, to make it seem like the the pecking order at wide receiver is wrong. And this is something that maybe I should have discussed when I was talking about Corey Foreman and Rajon Davis. There's been some chatter in the background that Gary Bryan Jr. is not super happy about his usage in this first game. And whatever, if that's the way it goes, then that's the way it goes. But again, prove like, prove it make make it obvious that you're getting the short end of the stick when you get on the field and I don't know that that happened with Gary Bryant Jr. here Andrew Voorhees was the bottom player for USC with a 50.0 score in 48 snaps he had a holding penalty I'm gonna guess that uh, that might be sinking his uh, score there but it is funny ironic funny whatever you want to call it that Andrew Voorhees was like the PFF darling of last season, and he comes in and he's the worst player in USC squad against Rice. Personally, I did not notice that he had any major problems except for that holding penalty, obviously. So uh, interesting how low the scores were on offense, considering how good the offense was. At the same time, a lot of the offensive players didn't get as many snaps as you expect them to because (laughs) the, the defense kept scoring. So what are you going to do? They lost like three drives that they could have had, that they could have raised these scores. So who knows? Uh, Over on defense, again, a shock. Shane Lee, 90.0, who's the only other player on the team with a 90-plus score in 51 snaps. He was, to me, the best player on defense. He (laughs) He was everything that I hoped he would be. I think it's very exciting that USC has added him. Again, as I've said, he's going to be a very important player. Tuisi Vinamora had an 87.0 in five snaps. Very limited time, but I think Tuisi has a chance to become a really important player for USC down the line. So keep an eye on him and his cameos this season. The rest I don't think is super surprising. Caleb Bullock, Kalen Bullock. I keep saying Caleb. I feel bad. I tweeted that. It's Kalen Bullock, 84.4 in 50 snaps. That reflects certainly with the pick six Raylan Goforth was fifth with 73 77.3 and 22 snaps the big one exciting uh Solomon Tuliapupu 79.1 in 11 snaps only 11 snaps but he got a sack love to see it 
want to see more from him. I think it would be the best story of the year if he turned out to have a, a real role on this team after all he's been through. I'm absolutely here for it. Um, bottom five, Romello Height was the bottom, 50.7 in 21 snaps. Getting ejected for targeting will do that. Prophet Brown, Jalen Smith, Julian Simon, Jacoby Covington, all in that bottom five. I don't think it's a surprise that a lot of guys in the secondary were included in this. The secondary did have some trouble. And this is all also players that are either young or new or still betting in or we're still sort of figuring them out. So I'm not going to slate any of them too hard. We'll see what uh, what goes on from here. Um yeah, so that's the PFF stuff. Like I said, like it's not gospel or anything like that, but I think it was interesting to confirm Caleb Williams and Shane Lee. Yes, they had a very good game. Um, Austin Jones, give him the shout-out. I thought he had a very good game. And there's still some work to do, obviously. There's still some work to do. Um, but, yeah, let's get it over-under now, guys. Let's do it. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Over Under. If you don't know, this is the game where every week Michael and I set lines for each other based on sort of props and uh, prop yardage or, or stuff like that. Uh, whoever sets the line, the other one gets to choose over or under, and that locks them into the answer. And the other one uh, is locked into the other answer. So if Michael answers under, I have to take over. If I answer over, he has to take under. The audience, though, gets a free reign of it. You guys get to go fill out our Google form that we're going to put out, put out every Wednesday. And you get to answer and play along with us. So if you haven't partaken in that yet, be sure to check it out on Wednesday. Thank you to everyone who uh, who who played along this week. We had a ton of answers and it is, it is the, the chat is hopping off now, guys. <laughs> Struggling. Um, the partake in the answer in, in answering these questions and joining in the fun. Uh, so let's go through these 315 total yards for rice is where I set the over under Michael went with the under. I took the over as a result and guess what? Michael was right. It was under Rice had 280 yards of total offense, which I'm feeling good about the line I set at 315, because if not for the pick sixes, I think they could have easily done three, 315 or more. But uh, but those those pecs, pesky pick sixes, what can I do? Uh, so eh, you win some, you lose some. Michael went with 1.5 Travis Dye touchdowns. I took the under on that. Michael took the over. The under won. Zero touchdowns for Travis Dye. It wasn't a bad line to set. It wasn't bad to assume Travis Dye would score touchdowns. It's just that Austin Jones, Raleigh Brown, and Darwin Barlow scored the touchdowns. So, you know what? Nothing nothing much he can do about that. Uh, I get that point instead. We got 6.5 touches for Raleigh Brown. I set this over under. Michael took the over. I took the under. It was over. Relique Brown had eight touches. He had six rushes, so I was right on, on board with that. But he had two catches as well, so he got the un, the over going there. It was a very, very promising debut for the freshman. The problem is that he got injured, and hopefully he doesn't stay injured very long. Uh, Michael set an over-under of 2.5 first down rushes by Caleb Williams. I went over. Michael went under. I was very glad to have picked the over because it was four. Caleb Williams had five rushes. Four of them went for first downs. One of them went for five yards. It was funny because I was talking to Michael last night and he was saying like the crazy thing is I don't even remember remember Caleb Williams like running that much. But Caleb Williams led USC in rushing. So it, it's just one of those things where that's the weapon you have. You can have a quarterback that just having the ability on just a handful of plays to take off and get 11 yards makes such a difference for an offense. It, it is really, really nice to see. I set an over-under of Lincoln Riley in a visor sightings at 0.5. So it was basically, will he wear a hat or will he wear a visor? Michael took the under. He had him not wearing a visor. I got the over. And guess what? Visor Riley. Visor Riley was in the chat. He was there. He got his first win in the white visor. You'll love to see it, uh, at least for me, because I got that point. Michael set the over-under of 620.5 yards of total offense for USC. I took the under on that, just because that's a lot of yards. Michael took the over. The under one with 538 total yards, which, again, the pick six is screwed Michael here, because 
if not for the pick sixes, then I think this offense pushes 700 yards. Like it, it would not, would not have been surprising at all to see that. So uh, that's a rough, that's a, a tough blow to my goal, but I will take that point. All right, moving into the que- the over-unders that we got from listeners that are also part of the Google form. Samuel in North Carolina set his over-under for Kayla Williams' passing passer rating at 167. Both of us took the over. Both of us were correct. It was 211 and 43. Kayla Williams absolutely just killed it. Love to see it. Samuel also set an over-under of 10 offensive plays before USC scored. Michael and I both took the under. We were correct. It was seven, seven plays. So again, A plus there. Dave in Orange County put an over under of 85.5 yards for the leading USC rusher. Michael and I both took the over on that. We were wrong. Caleb Williams led the team with 68 um, total yards rushing. So that was... uh, that was the under. And apologies to everyone who filled out the Google form. I realized way after the fact, as I was putting this together, that one didn't make it in. I skipped it. So sorry. You guys all missed an opportunity to get an extra point. All right. Dave in Orange County also had 1.5 plays by a tight end that make Alicia drool. Michael and I both said over. I thought it would be able to fix this one personally. I was not. There was only one. And even that was a pity. It makes me drool, to be honest. Because it was just a routine catch. It was a good catch by Lake McCree, but it wasn't like drool worthy in like a all caps kind of sense. So that was an under, unfortunately. It was maybe the one disappointment on offense for the entire damn game. So Marcelo dropped an over under of 2.5 USC false starts. I took the under. Michael took the under. It wasn't, that was a good line, Marcelo. That was a good line because it actually ended up being two. Both of them by Gino Canones as he came in in the second half. So almost hit that one, but uh, we get the points there. Okay. That leaves me with seven out of 11 or seven and four. Michael with five out of 11 or five and six for the, for the week. That means it's that for the season two. Our weekly winners, we have a collection of you. Congratulations to L.A. Fred, Frosty25, Jay Vandy, Oscar in Las Vegas, Fear My Beard, Zach, and Callie Cat. Y'all went 9 of 10. That is impressive. That's an impressive over-under run. Only one miss for each of you. I applaud you for your uh, for your brilliance here because good job. Yes. Okay. Game predictions. Bill Connolly had USC winning 42 to 15. Vegas had USC by 33. I picked USC to beat Rice 51 to 18. Michael picked Rice USC to beat Rice 55 to 10. USC actually beat Rice 66 to 14. So we weren't that far off. We just didn't go all in on the 60-point game, which, you know, boo us. Boo us. That's our bad. <laughs> That's our bad. Sorry. Yep. All right, that's over under. As always, you guys can contribute to that each week and, uh, you know, give not only send us your over under choices uh, before the show and we'll we'll include those, uh, but also get to participate. We'll send out a link link each week to the Google form for you to play along with us and maybe we'll see you on the leaderboard. We'll keep track throughout the season, not just of weekly winners, but also the high scores throughout the week throughout the season. So make sure that you uh, check in on that. Uh, as often as possible. 
that'll do it. That'll do it for everything that isn't the giant mailbag that I have coming up because I have a lot of questions in the chat. I have some long Slack messages to get through uh, in uh, in in the from the the Rot friends over on Slack, and we're gonna just get straight into those. So we're gonna start with a nice long one from Marcelo. So this is what he said. Actually, I'm gonna take a drink before that because I am very parched and I need to make sure I don't screw this up. Thank you. All right. Let's see. We've got, I keep hearing stuff like there's something about USC versus Stanford. There's something about when USC plays a road game in Corvallis that points to a USC tradition of giving up a game versus Stanford or giving up what should be a basic road winner because historically USC is not mentally prepared for it. So based on history, based on previous encounters, we should be very wary of that trap early against Stanford or away against Oregon State or whatever. Y'all sound like traumatized people reliving the bad thing that happened to you. There is zero reason to believe that the foibles of the Clay Helton era or Lane or Sark or Pete will happen here. None. This is not that program. This is not that institution. That institution is dead, and it should be. We do ourselves a disservice by citing historical examples, and we disrespect the work this team is doing. This is not your mother's USC team of yore. This is barely your mother's USC as a whole of yore. The point, whole point of this turnover, from Lincoln Riley to Mike Bone all the way to the Mother of Dragons herself, Carol Folt, is that the old USC is done, and these are the people who are going to build us a new one. The old USC was a corrupt, sexist, racist country club of gladhanders and backslapping good old boys who wanted to hobnob with their idols of the past. The old USC was so steeped in its own history that, of course, they struggled in the Pac-12 road opener. It's tradition. Of course, Stanford shows up for them and they aren't ready. Of course. And while the new USC still has some sexist, racist country club shit to sort out, it's not like it used to be. And at least in football, we can confidently say it isn't. You think Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams care at all about how Pete Carroll struggled? You think that's going to affect them somehow? There has been nothing like this USC coaching change in its history. Nothing like this roster turnover. Absolutely nothing. We are in uncharted territory. We cleaned out the hoarder house and redid the floors and repainted the walls and evicted the tenant who kept all those old magazines and boxes. And as much as we would love to grasp some history to hold on to, we have none. I guess we have Lincoln's, Lincoln's history in Oklahoma. Maybe he'll continue to falter in round one of the playoff or something. I'll bet on that long before I bet on USC stumbling at Stanford. Now, Oregon State has a good solid offense that has improved dramatically. We saw that last year. We saw it this year versus Boise. That is a good reason to wonder if USC's defense can overcome it. But we always struggle in Corvallis, quote-unquote, is not a good reason. That is not the same we. This is a program that was formed explicitly to have as little connection to the past as possible. This is a program that should not be tied to the foibles of the past. History is dead. It doesn't matter. And if USC is going to lose a clunker, they're going to lose it for their own reasons. As much as we like to wax poetic about the institution that is USC, and I truly mean this, that old USC institution you love no longer exists, and good riddance. As an alumnus, I would love nothing more than for a new USC to exist, one that lives for the students going there now and makes them love USC as much as I did. I take it back. There is one indicator that all this might happen again. There are players on this team who played for old USC who, when playing versus Rice backups, promptly delivered a Heltonian special on offense. But unless we're going to be relying on the reserves for the whole game, do we really expect Caleb Williams at all not to be fully prepared, invested, and ready to roll? 
Do we really expect Lincoln freaking Riley, one of the smartest coaches in football, to underestimate an opponent, to be unable to adjust, to be asleep at the wheel or let this team be that way? So please, I'm begging you, overcome your trauma. Forget what USC has always done. Let's focus on what's happening now. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you, Mar- Marcelo. Thank you, Marcelo, for uh, for that. That is a, uh, a a dissertation that I think is really uh, hitting on a lot of points. I think there's absolutely an argument to say the past is dead in in the in the words of Kylo Ren, let the past die or kill it. And I think that's a probably a good perspective to come into. At the same time, this is still football, and Lincoln Riley is is not a perfect coach and Caleb Williams is not a perfect quarterback and this team is still not going to be perfect. They're going to have pitfalls and all we have to rely on is what we know of the past. And I think that when I personally say Oregon state and Corvallis is a dangerous game, a lot of times it's like, it wasn't anything particular about those Oregon state teams or those USC teams. A lot of times it had a lot to do with the experience of traveling that far north, usually night games, in hostile territory, road games are difficult, road games are tricky for every team. Look at Utah going to the swamp. Um, a lot of people want to trash Utah for losing to Florida, an unranked team. But when I look at it, I say, how many teams in college football this week can say they went to the swamp to start their season. I there's USC played Rice, Oklahoma played UTEP, Alabama played somebody who is not the FCS or whatever. Like this is why also I'm not gonna. I don't think Notre Dame should drop that far. They played Ohio State. Give them credit. I wouldn't even drop Oregon that far. They got their butts kicked absolutely, but they went to neutral territory to play Georgia. So. Doing that, I think, is is something that um, is difficult. So traveling to Corvallis is is not an easy thing. And when it comes to Stanford, I just I just I respect David Shaw a lot. I really do. I know that his teams haven't been the best the last couple of years, but I respect him too much as a coach to take him lightly. Now I think there's a difference between saying, "Oh, USC's going to lose these games," but uh, because history. And there's a difference between saying USC has the potential to lose these games because David Shaw can game plan for USC and he can get one over on USC and he's proven that he can do that, especially when he faces USC early in the season and doesn't have to focus on his week one opponent, which Colgate did not have to be a a real focus. I think you can look at Oregon State and say, well, hey, yes, Jonathan Smith has really built that team up and, and they're doing a hell of a job and they looked very impressive against Boise State. But just traveling up there is difficult. Even if they were bad, it wouldn't be the easiest task in the world. So that is sort of where I come from. But I think it's fair to say we need to set everything aside. But I also think we need to set everything aside on on, on both fronts, right? Because everything I keep talking about with Rice is just because what we saw, right, doesn't like we don't know what this team is cap- capable of. We don't know what their ceiling is. And we don't know what their floor is. So we can be very confident coming out of the Rice game, but that doesn't mean it's going to translate to Stanford either. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird give and take and it's an imperfect way to sort of 
approach, uh, you know, a, a college football season that is so unknowable because we can't lean on, well, what did Lincoln Riley do at Oklahoma and all that much because this is a totally, totally different team. It's a new team, a completely rebuilt team. We don't know what it looks like to rebuild a team through the transfer portal at this scale. We, we just don't know. And I think by holding off judgments on either way, is probably the best way to go because you just you just never know you just never know which way it's it's gonna go. So, I think uh, very very uh, hit on a lot of points there, Marcelo. I I tend to agree with a lot of what you say, but I'm also scared of Corvallis. <laughs> I'm also scared of Oregon. <laughs> I am traumatized. I will admit it. <laughs> I will admit it. Just bear with me. Okay, let's get to some more questions in the Slack before I jump into the pin messages in the uh, chat. We got Pacific Northwest Trojan. Last season, Jordan Addison tied for the most receiving touchdowns in the country with 17. After one game, he's on pace for 24 in the regular season. Does he match or exceed this total from last year, even with all the other wide receivers to feed on the roster? I think he will have a hard time exceeding because of everything that I've said before about how there there's just too many ways to spread this ball around. Um he will eat. This offense will certainly generate points, but it's going to be difficult for one guy to, to get all that attention. Uh, Pacific Northwest Trojan also says, Austin Jones looks to be the top choice for red zone rushes, providing more muscle than Lil Travis Dye. Yeah, Lil Travis Dye. Um, does Jones end the year with more rushing touchdowns than Dye? That's a really interesting question. I think, I think, that's, a, I think that's a certain possibility. He definitely looked like the one who, once USC got into the red zone, they handed him the ball. He could be. That was his role with Stanford, too. So really, really could be. I wouldn't be surprised. Also asked, how many times will Caleb sit out the fourth quarter this season? I hope a lot. I hope I loved getting to see Miller Moss. Like, that was cool, getting him to have that opportunity. I think it's it's great for the development of the program if USC is able to to let those guys play as much as possible and um, get meaningful reps. It's, it's very important. Another question. After one game, USC ranks number one in the Pac-12 in scoring and number three in the nation. After the Stanford game, what is the range for where they will rank in the Pac-12 and the nation? 66 points. Average it out with like 45 points. USC will be at like 55 points. Uh, I think they'll still be top 10. I think they'll still be top 10. I don't know. Uh, there are some still cupcakes going on in second second game, so maybe some people will score big, but I think they'll still be, still be top 10. All right, another Pacific Northwest Trojan question. Does For Corey Foreman get his first sack of the season against Stanford? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yes? I hope. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. My gut, my gut as I was reading the question was no, but... I don't know. I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think anyone really can say. Uh, last question for Pacific Northwest Trojan. USC quarterbacks completed 12 passes to different players against Rice. Eight wide receivers, three running backs, one tight end. Seems like a good strategy to make use of our deepest position group wide receivers and get fresh legs out there regularly. Does the heavy wide receiver rotation continue against Stanford? I think this is a big question because it's easy to rotate guys out when you're playing Rice and things are going as well as they are. Will we see all of those guys get time if things aren't going as perfectly as they were? I think we will still see significant rotation 
but that rotation is probably going to die down a little bit as, as, as guys prove that they are, or aren't, uh, aren't capable of, of handling it. So we'll have to see. David Orange County asked special team look bad, two terrible returns by Gerbrand Jr. And the one punt was just awful. Is the lack of a special teams coach going to hurt us this year? I mean, having a special teams coach didn't help in the past, so I don't know that that's the case. I think that the punt was just one of those things. We I don't think we can judge a punter on one punt like that. We just have to see what else he, he brings to the table. And the returns, again, I just wish guys would just take the fair catch. Just I just I don't know why they're even returning it. But if you're Gary Bryan Jr. and you haven't been getting a lot of run in the game as a receiver and you finally get a chance to have the ball in your hands, I think that's what's motivating. That is just the eagerness to, to have the ball in your hands and then maybe making a bad decision as a result. So that's sort of that's sort of where it's uh where it comes down all right people in the chat people in the chat it's time to address you people in the chat i say it like that because there's a lot of um commentary from friends and family of mine <laughs> that have less to do with usc um kevin rudkowski asks have have anything to say to your lgbtq plus fans Yes, you are loved and supported and fight on. That's what I have to say. Um, Benay Joaquin Herrer asks, do you have a favorite brother? Yes, it's you, Benay. Benay Joaquin Herrer, O'Hare, something, something, something. It's you. You're my favorite brother. Um, Joaquin Deiratola, my brother. <laughs> Does USC stand a chance against Notre Dame this year? Herbie was big on OSU, but he said Notre Dame was valiant. I think USC stands a chance by the end of the season. Absolutely. But that's going to be a dogfight. I was impressed with Notre Dame, to be honest, against Ohio State. So I'll answer that one honestly. Leanne Yu asks, hello, when are we going to go hiking? Um, I don't know, Leanne. Leanne is my hiking partner. I don't know when it's not 105 degrees outside. <sighs> okay, let's get into some actual USC questions now that I've appeased some people uh dave asks uh would you who would you give the three stars to for the first game hockey style three star am i am i not this is 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 this where we need michael available to explain the three is it like helmet stickers helmet i'm gonna helmet sticker it um shane lee helmet sticker kaylin bullock helmet sticker and um Caleb Williams helmet sticker. Let's do that. All right. We got uh, Michael Castillo asked, do you prefer solo podcasts? No, my throat is so dry right now, Michael. Please come home and save me. <laughs> um, 520 Trojans asked, now the big question. Let's see if the coaches can correct the mistakes from Saturday. Can they contain the edge and stop the runs up the middle? Last year's coaching never corrected errors. Big, big question. That's uh, that's the one that we really need to see happen. That's the one that we need to see happen. Um, we got a question from Josh Arena. Is it me or was that targeting called BS? If it was not, I guess Oregon is a good football team. Since when is driving your face into the player's chest leading with the crown of your head? Um, that actually is a wording that got changed over the last couple of years. Basically, um, your sort of it's it, the face mask like sort of ends at your at your forehead right 
And anything that's sort of up here, if you put it into the face mask of a player, they're going to call it. It's just the way it goes. Um, you know me. I hate the targeting penalty. I think it's stupid. 15 yards is perfectly fine. And if you screw up that play, it's just 15 yards. If you screw up that call, it's just 15 yards. Ejecting a player for that, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Ejections for that should only be for second, uh, second infractions or for particularly egregious fouls of that nature. That's just me. NCAA doesn't listen to me. Josh also asks, will Stanford pay its fans to attend the game like UCLA did last weekend? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> they might need to. Are they, are they in session? Are they, cause I know that UCLA, like it's always weird that they, uh, they're not in, in session. So the uh, it's it's just like it's hard to ask people to to come in and and like go to a game where it's 105 degrees out and it's way off campus and you're not even in school yet and all that kind of stuff so we'll see what stanford does we'll see let's see do we have any or the other david gould asked do you think they can beat us utah um, I still will go. No, I think that USC has so much more to prove. I'm not going to bury Utah over losing to Florida in the swamp. I'm just not going to do it. Ask me again in three weeks. Ask me again after Oregon state. Really? That's uh that's going to be, that's going to be the key. Okay. Let me just make sure I didn't lose any, um, uh, any actual USC questions in here in the slew of, uh, <laughs> in the slew of my family taking over the chat uh let's see let's see let's see okay we're just gonna go we're, we're heading into off topic um except for andy my other brother andy daratola asks is usc slay this season in case you guys didn't notice my family had a barbecue today so they're all watching and in the chat and they're asking me questions so that's why this <laughs> i had to leave said barbecue uh to come record this so um Question, is USC Slay this season? I think Slay is good. So I think yes. You'll have to give me the lingo with the kids that the kids use. Kevin Rudkowski asks, be honest, did you like my burgers today? I did. I did like the burgers today. It was very good. I was very pleased with them. Um, Racer X says, Michael is a BB beast. will walk away with 750K. Saw a lot of questions from, or talk from Racer X talking about Big Brother. Yes, Michael is a comp beast, and I think he has a chance to win, but he's also got the biggest target on his back, so that's a problem. Um, Lauren McMillan, another barbecue attendee, could we incorporate some Love Island content in this conversation? Absolutely not. Nope. Michael Castillo asks, when is Jesse going to make her podcast appearance? Michael, I kid you not. I kid you not. I was this close. I was this close to having Jesse in the background today. I, I was. She's been cooped up all day. I felt bad. I thought I could have Jesse. I could let her stay in here. But then she started chewing on her on her little bone thing, and it was so loud that I was like, Michael's going to kill me. Michael's going to kill me if I let the dog in the background, and she's just like, the whole episode. Like, he was just going to be so mad at me, so I decided not to. So that's your fault. That's your fault. Um, 
Okay, let's see. We got some more questions from Tim Whitman says, looking ahead here, any thoughts on Utah's 22 forever helmet debut against USC? I still have PTSD from Boston College first red bandana game. That's the other thing. When Okay, Utah is wearing these really cool like hand-painted helmets with the uh, with the two players that, that were killed that both wore 22 um, for the USC game. Red bandana to the max. I just, there's just going to be too much emotion. Now, from a personal perspective, I think that's awesome. I would never want it to rain on that parade for Utah. I think it's a great way to tribute players. But the way that this could backfire is it's going to be a very emotional night. And emotions can be, strong emotions can be very, very good or very bad. And you can sort of have too much emotion going on and it can sort of get in the way. Like you can be overly hyped for a game. So that might be something to, uh, to think about. Um, Josh arena asked what's in the cup. It's, it's literally water. It's water. It's my fan sided mug. I've got water and I've got an energy drink that I'm going back and forth between as I, as I do this. Cause my mouth is just so parched, it's parched. We got a question from Blessum Breaks. Any news on what recruits were at the game? Um, no, not not in particular. And part of that, like I saw Chris Trevino complaining that there, um, th- like that other teams will have pictures of the recruits at the game, and that's not a problem. But like USC Media is not allowed to take pictures of recruits at games, and so I mean, I know that there you can find out there the reports of like who came. And, and who didn't, but, uh, I have, I don't have that list personally myself. Um, that's just, that's just the way it goes. Oh, okay. All right. That's fun guys. That's fun. Even, even the, the onslaught of, of questions from, from my dear loved ones in the chat. I hope you guys all enjoyed that who were in the chat. <laughs> um, lots of, uh, lots of talk going on in there. That my, my, I, I, I don't know that I can do another 57 minute solo pod at this point. I really need Michael to, to, to come back because, uh, who buddy, who buddy. Okay. Last question. We got Calix Rose. Does Caleb Williams rush for a thousand yards? That would be super fun. That would be very, very fun. Part of me hopes not though, because if he's rushing for a thousand yards, then the passing game isn't working as well as I, I thought it, I would hope it would. I think um, I'm fine with him rushing a couple times to get a first down here or there, but I don't want him rushing that much, especially because that'll put him in, in danger. Um, Joaquin asked some, just ugh, a couple more questions. Joaquin asked thoughts on LSU. That was funny as all hell. I was rooting for LSU to win at the end because Florida State losing after they pitched the ball at their goal line on the other side when all they needed to do was just run out the clock would have been really funny, but like LSU losing on a blocked PAT was really damn funny. It was just like college football chaos, college football madness, Brian Kelly, rude awakening. Like things are not going to go super easily for you down in LSU. They have issues. Um, at the same time, PSA, and I hope none of our listeners need to hear this, but if you send death threats to a player, you are going to hell. <laughs> That's <laughs> you are a bad person. I don't care if they missed a PAT or dropped a pass or, you know, had any other, had a penalty, anything like that. If you tweet death threat, if you send death threats to a, to an athlete over us, over a, a game, 
you are a bad person. That's just, just that. Just, there's no, no excuse. It sucks. That puts a damper on that entire, like that game was so much fun. Puts a damper, puts a damper. All right. That's going to do it guys. That's going to do it. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for hitting the like button. Thank you for hitting uh, the the notifications button. Thank you for presenting in emails. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends and family about it. Thank you for all of that stuff. We appreciate you greatly. And we hope you all have a good week. We will be back on Wednesday to switch gears to start looking at the Stanford game, which is coming up on Saturday and should be very, very fun, intriguing, and, uh, and interesting to watch. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, I'll catch you later. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.